0: Our Living the Authentic Life podcast. Rob and I are so excited to have our friend, Dr. Haresh Chili with us today. He is the person that keeps my face and neck looking young. I didn't
1: know you spent any money doing that. <laughs>
0: Exactly. And he's a friend of ours. We connected in Colorado. And if you guys follow us, you know, that's our happy place in life. So we met yep. um, actually through mutual friends and yep. had dinner and all of that together before I even realized how incredible he was. But before we get started, big shout out to Adam Andres, Yay! Our sound oh, yeah. engineer. He keeps us sounding great. You keep me looking great. Rob keeps me happy. I'm so oh, blessed gosh. in the middle of a pandemic to have all this great things, And woman. that's what we're all trying to do, right, is figure out our new reality, how we maneuver this, how we stay connected, how we take care of ourselves in this situation. And I've been turning. We just drove back and forth to Colorado. And we've been twice. listening. Twice. We've been listening to books on tape. Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers, um, Angela Duckworth, Grit. And you are an incredible example of grit and tenacity to have gone to Cornell and become such a respected. Georgetown
1: also. I spent a lot of time in school. I was looking at him going, it took me six years to get my undergrad, <laughs> all right? But it was that 2.0 was a good grade. You spent how many years in college? Uh, college took four years, but, uh, med school journey. Yeah. Another four. And then residency,
2: Intern, yeah, five uh, years plus one. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> you know, I always joke when I tell uh, kids go to medicine, if someone had told me when I was graduating from high school that I wasn't quite halfway done, I don't know if I would have turned around maybe. I mean, that's, it's a long, long road, but you know, it's when you're done with it, you know, interestingly enough, you know, your first day when you're operating on your own, take off the training wheels. You still have a lot of questions. You know, it's crazy. After all that training, you're still nervous. You're still like, "Oh my God, do I, you know, do I have enough training?" Do I? Have? So, I understand why it takes that long. Uh, and you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Obviously, when you start at even medical school at what 22, 23, um, and you end up practicing, you know, your first you know true case maybe at 29 or 30. I mean, think about how much you change as a person and what you thought you knew going into it and where you end up. It's, it's incredible how much it changes. And so,
0: well, you have a 14 and 16 year old. We have a 13 year mm-hmm. old. So, at that time, you think you know everything. And then I feel like I as you grow older, <laughs> you realize there's you so much nothing. for you to learn and you know nothing. And then what your parents said to you, you thought was so stupid, now makes sense. Well, that's pretty darn
1: smart. Yeah.
0: They are. I know. Sweet Vic and Nancy, we left spending time with them. Uh, well, I'm going to read a little bit about your bio. You are a dual board certified facial plastic surgeon, and he's one of a small group of cosmetic surgeon specialists who've been chosen to focus solely on treating the face and neck. He attended Cornell, as we said, where he had his bachelor's in neurobiology and English. And we'll talk about that, too. And then he went on to earn his master's in physiology and biophysics from Georgetown and then he remained in DC and received his medical degree from Georgetown University and then you ended up in New York City yep. and were head of net or you were had a residency yep. with head and neck surgery at New York Eye and Ear Infirmary by the way his amazing sassy fabulous beautiful wife is also a doctor.
2: She is. She's an ophthalmologist. Yep. Yes. So I dragged her up to New York City. She's a she's a Houston girl, but I had to drag her up for a little bit.
0: Uh, so did you guys meet when you were in residency?
2: Uh, we met in medical school, but the story okay. is we were at different medical schools. She was in upstate New York, and I was in D.C. And uh, her cousin is uh, a very dear friend of mine, and we were tearing it up. And I, uh, I mean, I don't know how long. I don't want to take up the whole story with this, but. <laughs> we uh the short version is we met on a cruise in alaska believe it or not
1: fantastic
2: so
0: that happy place i'm going
1: to alaska next week and i've been going on my annual trip for the last 30 years it's usually one week but sometimes it's two or three weeks wow where do you go (laughs) um i go to anywhere from the base of denali and anchorage area to southeast alaska to i'm really mad at salmon and uh, really, really <laughs> mad at Halibut, also. Yeah. So I'll go up and I'll bring home a hundred pounds of fillets and fish, and wow. just go away. And sometimes my phone doesn't work where I am, yeah, but d- there are other times they do work, which is nice. Yeah. Well,
2: I'll give you my address. So make sure some of it makes my way. That's, Not a problem at, great at great all. I know, know we wow. need to
0: plan a dinner party, and your friends with our cousin John, who was our first podcast guest. Another doctor.
2: Wow. Yes. Yeah. And great you guy. guys. Big shoes to fill.
0: Uh, yeah. do, did you meet socially?
2: yeah uh actually, my brother works with him at the lab okay. so that's how I met john and, and uh I mean he's a hard guy not to not to love, so we've got to uh we get to try out some of the restaurants in town and get together powwow a little bit because he's got a great entrepreneurial mind and you know he's a lot of fun to talk with so and it was random that we figured out I can't remember how
0: we figured that out okay well, the most random thing is as I said, we met each other and then we kept. We would run into each other at charity events, right. and I can't remember, so it, w- it was, um, you were, you've were you been in a couple fashion shows for, was it Recipe for Success?
2: Yeah, I was, yeah. Um, and then
0: also you did Bose Place with yep. Una Note. Yep, that's right. But I think that we met at the Recipe for Success at Marie Penner's and then sat next to each other at a tequila dinner, dinner, and Rob was out of town. And then we went out to dinner in Beaver Creek, and then we're at a political function, and I'm talking to you because you're harassed with the last name I couldn't remember. And I looked down, and I said, oh, my God, I have an appointment with you. That's right. Tomorrow. (laughs) I had no idea that was your last name. I mean, I knew that you were an incredible doctor, but I didn't. Put it together. So let's dive into that because that's what women and a lot of the men listening are curious about. Sure. It is such an evasive thing. And we as Texas ladies are talked about around the country is we love our plastic surgery. But I feel like this younger, I'm gonna call myself younger, even though Absolutely. I'm fifty two, we don't want to look like we do anything. And I have not done plastic surgery on my face, although I have done plastic surgery. Uh, But I have not done it yet, but I came to you to talk about staying looking young and natural. And I think that's what your specialty is. And what I love about when we met and my girlfriend and I came together, which I know you're like, two of you it it happens a lot it does okay (laughs) so we went in together and we're like okay tell us like when do you get your first plastic surgery when when does it go beyond microneedling or whatever and it's such a curious thing that people don't and so it's a broad question but kind of tell what you told us when we started because women want to know and some men
1: men do want to (laughs) know many
2: men want to know i mean i think since we have about 40 minutes, 45 mm-hmm. minutes to talk, it's probably worth taking a step back because that's, that is what I hear a lot, right? What do I need? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I get done to look young? And, I mean, my knee-jerk response to that is always, you don't need anything that I offer, right? Aww. And it's true when you think about it. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that to sound, you know, like just trying to flatter mm-hmm. someone. I mean that truly, right? It's an elective procedure. So no one truly needs anything that I do, but something obviously made them call me and make the effort to come in and and visit with me and so it's trying to understand what that is right and so this idea of you know holding on to our youth or looking younger or looking I mean it's not, I don't think that's the the actual reason why people are doing this. I think we think that is you know we're trying to look okay. younger and hold on to it but that's impossible right you're not mm-hmm. going to really be able to look like you did when you were 25 and you're 50 now right it's not going to yes. happen and I think pursuing that for that end is, can be dangerous, frankly, right? Where you're, you're, gonna, you're setting yourself up for failure where yep. you want to hold on to something you're never going to get.
1: No, and I've seen the horror stories in Joan Revers I mean, how she turned more and more to a Siamese cat with all <laughs> the surgery. That, and that is not what you Watched do at
0: all. That show. I mean, th- that, yeah. and, I, that's, and your list of things you do, you're, that's a big part of your business, is. too, is fixing the problems. Fixing Fixing
1: mistakes. Other people's mistakes. Yep.
2: And, and, you know, you'd think that mistakes happen only because of bad technique or someone not knowing Uh what they're doing. I think some of the mistakes also happen because, you know, they should have, uh, the surgeon or the doctor probably should have said, no, this is not what's going to make you happy or this is not what you need. Or, you know, I think uh, trying to lead someone down to a path where they're probably not going to get what they really need in terms of being happy. Uh So when we're talking about, you know, what we're trying to do are we trying to make people look you know beautiful or youthful I mean yes but right I mean what is what is beauty it sounds like a silly you know cliche or you know kind of a Mm -hmm. you know a question that's sort of vague but really sort of what it comes down to right is that what are we trying to do in terms of making someone beautiful is it symmetry is it proportion all these Mm -hmm. things these standards and ideals and that's definitely something that you know you have to use as a guideline when you're Mm -hmm. trying to work on someone and trying to help them look their best but it's it is an objective thing which is what most people would think it is but it's also a very subjective thing Mm -hmm. and and what i mean is it's there is certainly something you know some people that you're going to find beautiful or you might find attractive that other people might not agree with Mm -hmm. you know yes you have these universal standards models you know probably across cultures and generations and you know, you look at pictures and say, that person is very attractive. But style changes from generation to generation or from culture to culture. Um, you know, there are other things that are more, uh, not more, I guess not vague, but less defined. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, that's all external. The internal part of beauty, and this is going to sound hokey probably or cheesy, but I mean, I think there's some truth to, to it, um, is Feeling beautiful, right? Feeling good-looking or handsome or attractive. And that ultimately is confidence in so many Mm -hmm. ways, right? And when you think about this, and I spend a lot of time thinking about this, hopefully Mm -hmm. that's obvious, um, we assume that how we look is how people react to us. And that is true to an extent, right? I mean, people interact with us and react to us by how we look externally. Mm -hmm. But when I do my work and hopefully successful work, I am trying to create change, but the irony is it shouldn't look like there's much change.
0: Absolutely. Right? Like, you don't want people to go, what did you have done? Right. the The biggest compliment that I think is for people to say, oh, you look so rested, or you look happy, or yeah. something like that, as opposed to, what did you have done?
2: Well, yes, definitely. And generally speaking, I'm not excited when people <laughs> get asked that question, because it's probably... You know, it's it's probably not for the right reasons, typically, right? Um, but I think even more than people noticing it consciously, uh-huh. I think people around us notice it subconsciously, notice that, hey, you know, we feel like a million bucks because we feel like we look that way. And I think that's as important as how you actually yes. look. And it sounds vague, Absolutely. it sounds kind of new agey, but I'm positive of it because... When you think about the people around you in your life, your friends, people that you see, you don't actually judge them physically that much, right? You actually, the people yeah. you know the best, you don't even look at that carefully, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know you notice every time she comes back and gets her hair done, but most men are not that, that obvious. I notice that,
1: more often when I see new shoes than and then I'm yeah. waiting for the Neiman's Bill to show up. Fair because, enough. That's a different um, pressure
2: point with that one, yeah.
1: No, but when, <laughs> when she's had some procedures done before in the past— and we're out at a dinner party or dinner with friends, and this, 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 and one of the my buddies goes, "Your wife looks the same as she when you got married," and I. But they don't think she's had a procedure done. It's just funny. She, she's like, y- she hasn't aged, which is which is nice that they're noticing that. But it's so subtle. I, yeah. I, I like that subtle. Um, I mean, approach absolutely.
2: I mean, there has to be something physical, obviously, right? I mean, you have to create some change. when I'm working on this. I don't mean to imply that there's no difference. It just to find that sweet spot where you do make it look better objectively, mm-hmm. but really, that doesn't mean everyone needs a facelift. And that's no. the, and that's, the, that's I guess a, the important point, right? Is there are so is. many tools that we have available, and it might mean you're just taking care of your skin. It might mean that you just dress well and you feel good about this, you know, your your suit or your dress or your makeup or whatever it is, your accessories, and it makes you feel good about yourself you stand taller you just project a different vibe which is what people pick up on i'm confident that's the case
0: yep it's Mm -hmm. the vibe and it is so connected to so many things and over the last two years i went through a meditation series i've always read so many uh, books about um, self-worth and Brene brown if you know me that she's my absolute idol about vulnerability and sharing and openness and not creating bad stories in your head and it has absolutely changed so when people say well what have you done yes my hair is lighter yes I do more to keep my skin feeling young but I also am happy I found joy and I think that well-being I've googled this I'm writing a inspirational speech and working with the speechwriter and i'm going to talk to the Whitehall group give my first speech on september 28th but i have been diving in it like i have researched rob knows hundreds of hours and as much as people want to buy from us same thing they come in to buy a birkin and they're like oh i'm gonna have to put it on all these credit cards there was one woman and i said I want you to have this, but I want you to know that if you have to do that, it might actually make you uncomfortable, and I don't want you to think this bag is going to make you happy. And so it is. Like, what we offer is not going to be It's not the panacea. But I have to say, when I carry a new bag, I am strutting my stuff, and I feel (laughs) fabulous. (laughs) And, I mean, just even getting a new dial on my watch makes me happy, but it's not... What is the basis of my happiness? It is so many layers of well-being and meditation and um, believing in God and Maybe, a yeah. better relationship with your spouse and like visiting
1: I, the psychiatrist for our um, tutorial sessions. yeah, or we go meet with somebody tune up. So it's not it.
0: like I just I look at you as one of my coaches. like I would back in the day had a personal trainer or a Pilates coach. And then I had someone to help me with meditation and I go to a priest or whatever. You're one of those people in my life that helped me because I've worked hard to reach this place and be successful and I've given back to the community and I feel like you're part of that cog in the wheel.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying because I couldn't agree more. It really, it's part of a spectrum. Yes. And, And I think, you know, we're talking about authenticity, right? I mean, kind of what makes someone authentic or what makes our life authentic. And absolutely, I think the pursuit of a lifelong pursuit of trying to to optimize or improve ourselves intellectually, spiritually, physically, it's all part of the same thing. If you're working out, yes, it's great to get healthy, of course, right? But you know, working out and getting toned arms doesn't necessarily mean you're going to live longer. You do that because it also makes you feel better. And a lot of great habits come along with the discipline to work out. So you take care of, and I actually did a study on this a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, people who had facelifts would start engaging in better health lifestyles, right. right? Like working out more regularly, using sunblock, eating better, because it's an investment. When you take yes. that investment and that time to, to both financially and physically to go through this this. This, this event this change you're more likely to commit to it because right? you're, I mean, that's,
0: you're focused on your overall well-being it's part of
2: it absolutely and so it's part of the spectrum and it doesn't mean everyone needs what I do most people will go through their lives just, just as happily not ever coming to see me and so I don't you know but it's part of a process where in I think many people's cases it can help fit into that that lifelong pursuit of how do I be the best version of me as, you know that I can be and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the existing version. It just means that you were trying to self-improve. I think that's what being human is really about. And I think our whole lives, the happiest people I know are the ones who are constantly, you know, striving to improve themselves and learn, know themselves better and improve, you know. And I think that's what you're talking about.
0: And that's what actually I said to you, and I came with a girlfriend. I said, you, when you said, what do you want? And I said, I want to look like I look now as long as possible. I wasn't really looking but I, I mean certainly you're getting more sagging, you're you're seeing the chin. I this phone, when you turn it on backwards <laughs> and you I don't know yeah. any woman my age, but I even was talking to Danette who's thirty something. I don't think anyone loves when you catch yourself in the reverse on your phone and you see what you see. Yeah, I can And tell so you. I think that's hard too, It's like we're in a place now. We're watching outlander which is uh, back in the 1700s they weren't taking a picture of themselves every day nope. now we're every Did you notice d- there's
1: no mirrors in that whole show either i know yeah when we walk into our store or our I house mean, we've we're got mirrors at everywhere ourselves
0: all and our phones day are
2: absolutely and we get to tweak that mirror now oh yeah you send it out to everyone else i mean we and and you know with obviously with filters and photoshop and it kind of goes back to the philosophical question about how do you how do you deal with that, right? Because it's almost like these mirrors are are not weakening us, but creating this, this dissonance, right? Where we're like, I don't feel like this, but I obviously I look like this. What do I do about it? And so that's sort of, to me, a balancing act where I want to be able to help people who are feeling like that, but I also don't want us to be slave to that feeling and saying, well, I can't be happy unless my jowls are totally gone
0: exactly and i think the biggest thing that i've heard from everybody i've um ever worked with and i love working with nina desai at renew laser she's been a great um help for me in my journey and she said the same thing to me is it's product and it's sunscreen every single doctor I respect has always said it's keeping your skin that you have as healthy as possible so let's talk about what that looks like to you and what you recommend as a basic like today I told Rob I'm like I'm buying my basic products that I'm gonna use and what that is for someone say my age
2: so I mean you're right I think most people are gonna agree with that in the in the aesthetic field because it is the first step in the ladder first of all right it's Uh pretty easy to do most of us can spend the time to just take a few minutes out of your routine to do this. And it's, you know, when you, th- most of what I do, interestingly, is reparative, right? It's after the fact. You're trying to fix something that's mm-hmm. already changed. So there are actually a handful of things that we can do, not many, but so- that can prevent. Yes. And number one on the list is taking care of your skin from sun damage, from environmental damage. So that's why skincare and sunblock is such an important thing. The other thing, interestingly, that you can do. To help prevent one of the few things is Botox. And we can talk about that too a little bit later. Yeah, if you'd let's like. talk but, about it. We but, can talk
0: about it now because I, yes, and I didn't, I feel like I kind of started late on Botox. I don't know that there's an age to start, but for so long, I just had this idea like I didn't even color my hair till I was in my 30s. And I didn't, um, I I was like, oh, I, I've got to wait to do Botox. And what is that? What's it gonna do in your body? Like that's what people say. That's what my mom said to me. You're putting toxins in your face today. I'm like, Yes! Isn't it great?
1: (laughs) And her forehead's not moving when she's talking (laughs) about it. Yes. (laughs)
0: But my forehead does. Your forehead moves now, yes. And it always has
1: But with the person before possibly it didn't move. There was a time or two.
2: So it's actually kind of, in my mind, an extension of the skincare conversation, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, what kind of skincare can you use? So, a good broad spectrum sunblock. You know, you want most people can benefit from a retinol, which is basically helps the skin turnover more effectively mm-hmm. and help build collagen and antioxidants like vitamin C to help with sun damage. So, there's a you know pretty, con- and pretty wanna say, consistent. And I want to
0: say your retinol thing. did not make me peel in a way that was good. concerning, and other retinols I've had, because there's different percentages of retinol. Sure, I
2: mean, you've got to find the right product for the right person, and, and that, you know, any hopefully most of the good physicians out there will help you figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are first steps, like I said, right? Mm-hmm. So why does Botox kind of fit into skin care? Well, because, you know, Botox, as everyone knows, kind of, most people know, I hope, it, it helps soften up certain lines and wrinkles, right? Mm-hmm. It's helping relax overactive muscles. Now, if you don't happen to make you know, certain expressions, like if you're not always frowning every time you're, you know, looking at your phone or reading a book, then you probably might not need it. But people Mm -hmm. who are always kind of scrunching their eyebrows Mm -hmm. together, eventually you're going to have like these deep lines that form. It's like a dollar bill that you take and you fold a thousand times, you get a crease. Yes. Right. And so once the crease forms, it's really hard to get rid of. Mm -hmm. So that's where you might find benefit in something like Botox, where you're helping prevent that line from forming. But to Rob's point, you have to balance that with, still looking natural, still being able to make some expressions. Or still the be, eyebrows
1: move. Yeah, or the forehead right. forehead. I mean, able to bit, show.
2: Yes. So that's just the, you know, the balancing act that I have to, or anyone who does this has to kind of find where you're getting the good out of it, but not, You know, introducing bad problems, meaning making someone look unnatural or frozen or, you know, stiff or just.
0: And I want to mention that, too, because I have this little place above my eye that's like indented That little scar right there. And we've talked about, like, how we manage that. And you said just because I clear that up, then there might be another thing that happens because of that. And I think that's where the technology really comes into it. And I'm so excited, by the way, we're doing a giveaway this week with you. Right. and you're going to do Botox in an area for someone and do a facial Yeah, hydrofacial
2: that's right it's yeah.
0: so incredible I said I want to rig it this time so I can win but yeah. <laughs> uh, but I we won't do that now and you we have another, now you can't do that I know. You can't do and that. then we also have a cosmetic bag but I truly think that like I uh, it's it goes with our business too is that um, anybody that knows Rob knows he's Very cost effective, and he likes to be careful with our money, and he's tough on me about how much I spend. And I think your prices are fair. It was we when I came to meet with you, my girlfriend who I went with, um, she asked everybody we know who the best plastic surgeon was in Houston, and your name came up repeatedly and and again. I knew you as Harash with the hard last name, and I didn't know (laughs) you were just going to see. So you're doing something right, but you can't get from the mountaintops. It's like our attorney said, I can't post online. I helped this person today because part of it is being uh, discreet. Discreet, discreet and Absolutely. not talking. And same for us, who we buy from, who we well, who, sell to. Who's
1: getting engaged. Yes. They, we may have to ha- be, they may have that ring in their pocket for three months. And I, and I, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I, was expecting,
0: yeah. so, um, I was expecting your prices to be expensive, but I mean- just a normal Botox is what most people like for me. What I think it's $350, three fifty, four hundred. It depends something. on how many areas
2: we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I got to be honest. But I'm I terrible thought, but the I price thought
0: that that's a very fair price for you being the most respected plastic surgeon. You're not trying to get wealthy off of people, and that's very similar to like you're not paying me to be on our show. I'm not getting. We're not. We just respect each other. We have yeah. a respect for one another and what we do. And I feel like that's authentic because your industry, our industry, people are afraid to give us the ring to have it steamed sure, that someone will take yeah. the diamond out. Yeah. Like there's people that ruin your industry and sadly you're kind of in that same place. You're plastic surgeon, used car salesman, diamond dealer, like we're all in that.
2: It, it can be. Yeah. I mean, I think So
0: talk about that too like how cuz you built my confidence. I trusted you. And to me that's the biggest thing in giving your face to someone.
2: I would agree. And I think it goes back to the theme, you know, of your show, Authenticity. And, you know, you you, we were talking about this uh, when you first brought it up and it, it got me thinking about the idea of authenticity because I, I guess I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it consciously, but yet I hope that my entire life is based on that when I really thought about it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think hopefully yes. we're trying to find... Some truth in who we are, and, and presenting that, and living a, a, an authentic life, and so um, I think people can figure that out. And, I, and I've, you know, you mentioned Malcolm Gladwell, and I remember reading a, one of his books mm-hmm. uh, a while back called Blink. I don't know if you got, we you haven't came across read that, that yet. One. But and next road uh, trip, that's a good one. And yeah, because it, it's you know, it, one of the premises is that you know we humans can make decisions in very fractions of seconds right i mean mm-hmm. just sort kind of you just it's almost like you just sort of know and he goes into figuring out well how do you just know there's mm-hmm. some science behind it probably and there is but but um i think that when you're you know when you're talking about finding people the trust and and uh and getting that word out i think that's where houston shines honestly because houston is a town that i've found i'm you know i'm from new york born and raised we moved here about 11 years ago now um and I'm so blessed and grateful that my practice has been able to 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 grow the way it has organically and mostly based on word of mouth right mm-hmm. people sharing that and I think that just like your business, I'd imagine it's people figure out who's real, who's not, who mm-hmm. has your best interests at heart, and mm-hmm. they're willing to share that mm-hmm. so even though yeah absolutely we we discreetness is a must for what we do and mm-hmm. and it's a priority for us. But I'm grateful that a lot of our patients have told their friends or their friends' friends and kind of spread the word. And um, and I imagine that's how your business has grown. Can't be much different than that. One happy
1: customer can tell two or three good people, but one unhappy customer tells 10 or 20 or 30 people. Yep. So it's just best, do your best, treat them fair and honest. Yep. And, it, and it, it grows. Absolutely. It, it's like the luckiest people we know are the hardest workers. You work hard, you be fair. And it, it, this is a wonderful city. I moved here 25 years ago, lived here as a child, but um, I'm a Yankee by birth, grew up in Chicago. And, but I mean, it's, this city's amazing. And we yeah. talked about this also with the Floyd protests that we had downtown. And we are the most diverse large city in America. And we had almost zero problems because everyone gets along and everybody tries to get along. And that's what I find amazing. I mean, I love Houston except for June, July and August.
2: That's just, I mean, honestly, it's a small tax to pay in my mind for all the benefits you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I mean and, and it's the, it's, it's, it sounds, again, cliche, but it truly is the people, right? It's not a very, forgive me, but it's not a very pretty city in terms of <laughs> coming to visit as a tourist. And we have incredible resources. And, you know, I've had friends, you know, my friends from New York where I grew up in the city, they, I mean, they felt so bad for me when I was moving down <laughs> like, I mean, really, you? they really. It was uh, it was like a, f- a funeral song when I was coming down here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was incredible how quickly I realized that this is a pretty great place. And I think a lot of people, you hear that story all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from people who've moved here from somewhere else. And and, mm-hmm. and I think they realized, like, I'm not coming back. And I was like, I don't want to come back. This is a great place. And when they'd visit the first few times, they couldn't see it. And people who've come down, I have good friends who've come down, you know, once a year now, mm-hmm. eight, nine years in a row, and they love it. Because it takes time, and, and you realize it's because it's the people. You get to know and you meet. And uh, to your point about, you know, uh, businesses that are able to grow in authenticity or, or being genuine and, and being truthful with what they offer, uh, that's, if you do that, Houston, the people of Houston, I think, help you grow, and they're going to support you. And they really, if you're a good person and you're honest and you're going to work hard and, and put your nose to a grindstone, more often than not, people are willing to go out of their way to help you, in my experience
0: yes and i um and i think that's what i see as the opportunity we've had so much time to watch netflix and like dive into so many crazy shows
1: spend time together i haven't been on a plane since january yeah we haven't traveled and i normally would travel once a week two or three days definitely
0: the dynamics of our relationship but i um i've Feel like, um, and you can look at our podcast guest and the guest that we had on um, in my prior podcast. We are all when you talk about different races too. Like I don't think of you as my friend of a different race. Like it doesn't even occur to me. But we watch so many shows that talk about race. One in particular was uh, my brilliant friend, which was about italians growing up and so it brought up in the 50s and how they were discriminated against and then even within the group of the nation it gave me insight into my dad's family unit because some things are um inherent and then we in listening to malcolm Malcolm gladwell Gladwell. he talks Mm -hmm. about how the italians were herdsmen and that made them want to fight more because people would come in and steal from their herd when they were <laughs> sleeping at night, and it made them have that passion and fight in them. Is there, um, you chose to marry um, another Indian another yeah. Indian woman. So tell us, is that a part of your heritage? Is that, like, are you raising your kids? Does it, because we talked to Bella about being Italian, but we don't talk to her about as much being Czech. Like, is being Indian defining in your family? as part of the heritage is it traditions cuz in food is yeah, it yeah i
2: mean it's it's obviously part of who i am because i just grew up you uh-huh. know my my parents are immigrants right so i'm a first generation mm-hmm. uh, american i was born in new york and they moved uh-huh. you know 1970 um and so absolutely i mean that's part of how you grow up i mean it's for me personally i had sort of this dichotomy because i had You know, my family, we had uh, family friends who were Indian. My dad's a physician. He's an allergist. and so. But we had plenty of friends who were not Indian. Mm -hmm. I went to, uh, you know, these schools in New York because I went to prep schools growing up. And and I was usually one of the few Indians in in school. Mm -hmm. But it never was something, you know, I was aware of it, I guess. And I knew I had Mm -hmm. this other part of my life. Um, But uh, I, I guess I'm not sure why. It just never really struck me as odd. It just felt like this is how I'm growing up and learning how to bridge the two. And obviously, my parents didn't go to college here, so when I went to school, there were certain things that they were nervous about, not having, you know, the, joining a fraternity or doing things that, you know, the, their idea of fraternity was only what they learned from Animal House, right? So they were Oh, yeah, they're like,
0: what are you <laughs> going like, to do, Harash? Yeah,
2: and so... <laughs> So there was, uh, you know, there's certainly uh, some of those struggles. And, you know, I'm sure if you went back to, you know, some of the writing I did in high school, uh, I know there was a lot of uh, writing about this, this this, issue, this clash between the two cultures. And it was something mm-hmm. that, um, in fact, <laughs> my, my college uh, application essay, uh, you know, when you apply to college, I'm thinking about this because I have a junior who's going to have to start mm-hmm. thinking about this next year. And he was asking me what I wrote about, and, and he thought it was the dumbest thing ever. But and maybe it was, but it worked, I guess. But I, I remember, you know, this. So at that point in my life, I was thinking about these two worlds, right? Where mm-hmm. I'd go visit my my family in India, my dad's parents. my dad grew up in a small farm. It's a village of like maybe less than two thousand people. And the story I never, you know, I kind of recount in this uh, in the essay was how when I was six or seven, I go to visit my grandparents, and in a small town. Electricity's out half the time and I had to use you know to go to the bathroom and my aunt's like okay sure it's right down here and she leads me in this room and I go in this room it's outside and it's literally like an outhouse mm-hmm. there's no indoor plumbing I, no one warned me of it no one explained what, how to, how it worked <laughs> so I just freaked out and I just didn't go to the bathroom for about a week almost and I got <laughs> oh, so no. sick yeah. <laughs> they took me to the doctor, and they and they started, you know, they were, like, dying. They couldn't. They thought it was hilarious that, you know, I didn't tell anyone about it. I was fearful of how to use the bathroom properly there. But, you know, it, it sort of, to me, it was part of my life, understanding this is where my family, part of my family had come from, and, and how discordant it must have been for my dad to come from that world and make a life for us in New York, York City. City. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is it's a traditional so it immigrant is, story, right? And so. it's... As far as we still need to go, there is definitely police brutality. There is definitely um, underlying discrimination. It's been interesting to me to watch these old films or, or films about times that are different, like the 1700s. They were just fighting to live. They were literally in sword fights. I mean, and the opportunities we have and what we have here is that I just want people to feel that opportunity that you are the son of an immigrant who is now the most respected plastic surgeon Uh, in houston i mean it's an incredible journey and we need to say we need to continue that and we need to keep having conversations about this is the greatest country in the world this is in my opinion the greatest country in the world and rob um, deals with so many um, Indian diamond dealers I couldn't even watch Slim Dog Millionaire like it made it's me so yeah. sad I'm good friends with Sippy Karana and she was so generous she wrote my um, recommendation for women of distinction she is one of the most admirable I don't know if you I know, know her yeah and she is uh, for what she's done and what how her family overcame and then um, also uh, Rushi was of LCA Lights Camera mm-hmm. Action. She was in Calcutta. She talked about arranged marriages, and even contract Rob, of marriage. Yeah. yeah, Rob even has some friends that the families are still trying to do that. Was that an issue <laughs> with you uh, and Sushma, no. or did they bless it, or was it not? No, that I think they. You, a you asked a
2: question before. No, I think they were. So it's funny because I, you know, I, like I said, I was usually one of the few Indians mm-hmm. in my my school or social circles you know sort of growing up and um not that i didn't you know we had plenty of family friends Uh people that we got to see um who were indian of course but um she was actually (laughs) the first indian girl i ever dated oh wow and 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 vice versa actually it turns Uh out for her and i think um you know (laughs) um i hope she's not watching but this (laughs) but but I, you know, it actually turned out to freak me out because I, I mean, it was one of those stories where, you know, those things where I was not that much of a romantic in the sense of, oh, you know when you know, but I right. knew, right? Until it happens to you, you think it's, eh, it's, it's just something people say in movies. But I knew that she was, I mean, this is, she was the one. Aww. Very quickly. And I don't, and I honestly, when I felt that way, it actually, I was like, oh man, I'm just starting at school. I'm not school. ready of for my- oh. <laughs> so <laughs> What?
0: this to happen right like, now kind of
2: <laughs> um and so uh you know the fact that you know she was Indian I'm like oh my god does it mean we have to get married you know and I and I freaked out <laughs> Pressure. To be honest with you. and then she of course just slapped me on the head she's like well, what makes you think that That's I'm exactly. gonna get married to you um, it's like, I'm
0: a doctor I'm pretty much okay for now yeah
2: so I mean I think that you know certainly it made lots of Parts of our lives much easier to have mm-hmm. parents who kind of grew up in the same culture. And so I grew up, you know, in New York City. Mm-hmm. But most of my childhood growing up was in Staten Island where there were lots of Italians, you know. And, in fact, one of the jokes, you know, I didn't even understand it when I was younger, was that, oh, you know, if you're, you know, your name must end in a vowel if you live <laughs> in Staten Island, right? Because you're Italian. And I was like, Yo, my, my name ends in a vowel. sound like, yeah, yeah well. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> so I never understood the joke. But, but you know, it's, it's interesting, you know. Knowing lots of Italians growing up and as a kid, and then uh, you know, it, it, there was a lot of similarities in terms of family values, family yes. structure, and understanding the strength that comes from families and
0: family guilt. Did
1: oh yeah, you, that's a that's an that's art form. That's real, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> that is so real. Italian guilt might be stronger than Catholic guilt. Or and then you put the two together. You put the two together. family. Wow, <laughs>
2: I went to Georgetown okay. too, so I know.
0: Okay, yeah. all <laughs> right. It's seven. I mean, it's ten forty-five, but we started five minutes late. But the last thing I want to ask you about, which I have found to be so crazy, is we just made a deal with our daughter Bella, who's thirteen, to get off TikTok and to pick back up Snapchat. And one of the things she kept talking about with TikTok is these young girls who get plastic surgery. And want to do rhinoplasty, and so, and, and that they're even talking about it. Like I never even, I grew up not loving my nose, and we talked about Jennifer Grey and what a horrible mistake she made by changing her nose because everyone knew her, For from, that. exactly, yeah. and Footloose, and dirty, uh, dirty Dancing, Dirty Dancing, dirty dancing yep. sorry, yep, and it cha- and then Renelle Zay were. Renel, Zel Renee Zellweger yeah. too, so let's talk about like the influence of social media on kids wanting to have their nose broken so they can have a nose job.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's incredible. I mean it seems you know when you go back to our earlier part of the conversation about you know just it's purely a physical thing. You're trying to achieve some kind of perfection, some kind uh-huh. of ideal. Um, You know, nose jobs are really one of the most challenging parts of what I do, not just because technically it's a hard procedure, Uh right, to make sure you get the Uh outcome that you want. Um, But it's one of the few things when you think about it, unless it truly was broken, right, where it's crooked now and you're trying to just Uh get it back to where it used to be. A lot of people who are looking for, you know, changes in their nose, they're looking for something that they never had before. Uh Right. When you come in for – because your neck is droopy or your eyes are heavy – You just want to kind of go back to how it used to look right you want to kind of in your mind at least right you're trying to just go back a little bit to where it used to be whereas for rhinoplasty it's you want something that you never had ever and really when you think about it that's a challenging thing to make sure that what they have in your in their mind is what you can deliver and what's what's possible and so that gets even harder to do the younger they are right because what do you really know about yourself what do you know what you're going to want when you're older so it's a so it's not uncommon, and I'm not saying it's wrong to, you know, have, uh, you know, nose surgery in your sixteen, seventeen. You know, when you're younger. I personally, uh, I'm
0: out here to say I think I've, it's wrong. Well,
2: well, I'm just saying. I'm, I mean, I'm not speaking to other doctors who think, oh, it's no, malpractice that they're doing it. I just meant uh, I personally try my hardest, and I don't really encourage children who are that young to get it done that young because I don't think they know. What they're looking for sometimes they grow into their face sometimes they realize it's not that important now your question about whether social media is fueling this absolutely and i think it's i'm not in favor of that i think it's a very dangerous trend where you know you feel like you have to because everyone else is doing this your lips have to be like kylie's or your nose uh. has to be like whoever i mean it's that is the opposite of what i want to do right it's not about you looking like someone else it, you have to you have to look like yourself by definition a better version of it, a more confident version of it. It's really for you, it's not, it's not for anyone else. And I, you know, that makes me nervous. The other thing that makes me really nervous in plastic surgery are trends, right? When things oh, are popular yes. right now, and you're doing a procedure that's permanent, ah, that, that makes me very nervous. Because a lot of these things are undoable, And now you're stuck with this, especially if you make a decision when you're, you know, 18 or 16 or whatever to do something that changes for the rest of your life. You know, I've seen people who come in, unfortunately, they want to go back to what it used to be like. I was like, I wish I'd never done this. I'm like, it's too late. I'm sorry. You You can't can't reverse. You can't undo some things.
0: Okay. And I lied. I have one more question because I thought this was so fascinating. It's when I came in to talk to you about when, because I've heard from different people, different times is when you have your first facelift will you talk about the elasticity in your face and what you shared with me because i thought that was so fascinating and it made me feel like okay that that I mean, makes sense
2: so there yeah there are a lot of people who come in saying i've heard you need your first lift at 40 or 50 and this is a philosophical thing i'm not saying mm-hmm. i'm right You're or not wrong but right. this, this is, is how your i belief. believe right um the thing to understand when you're talking about facelifts and and those kind of procedures, you're really talking about dealing with gravity issues, right? The sagging, if mm-hmm. you will. And so, you, it's you're not stopping gravity, right? So you can have a facelift, but you're still going to continue to age. So you will eventually notice some changes again in terms mm-hmm. of some of the sa- laxity or the looseness. And the point of that is simply that you, you know, you you're not going to look the same after your facelift for the rest of your life. Obviously, you're going to mm-hmm. keep aging. Um, so I kind of think of it, there's a sweet spot where you have enough aging to do your, your first lift, if you will, right, to mm-hmm. do a lift and get the longest result out of it. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you do it when someone comes in and they have some issues at, you know, 42 or 43 or 44, whatever it is, right, they're, they're still in their 40s or even early 50s and they have a little bit of the aging process. Sure, you could do a lift. It would look phenomenal. It would look natural. But you can only lift so much, at that age, right? You're not going to, you, you can't lift extra because, hey, you know what, in another five or six years, you're going to age more, and you you want to preemptively mm-hmm. stop that from happening. So I, I think there is too young of an age, and that depends on your genetics. It depends on your anatomy. It depends on- mm-hmm. Also climate
1: too, Houston being a more humid city versus if you're in Phoenix, Dry, Arizona. Yeah, absolutely. Huge I mean,
2: that speaks to the skin that changes. Absolutely. So, um, so it's not one size fits all, but- so I don't think, oh, I'm 45 or 50, any of my first facelift is necessarily true. Now, I do facelift sometimes on, on people in their 50s, early 50s, mm-hmm. but usually because they have some anatomical issues that make their jowls look more exaggerated, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they have a, a weaker chin and, or things like that where they're seeing this quicker than someone else might see it at that age. Um, so I don't have a number saying, hey, you have to be this, this age to, to, to do a facelift or it's too, you know, it's too late if you don't get to a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um it's something you have to customize from person to person. I will say for me personally, in my practice, I don't really do a lot of them in people in their 40s, for example. Mm-hmm. I think there are also a lot of non-surgical options now that exist that yes, can help slow that therapy. down. All therapy I is one of them. Face tight. There are a bunch of therapy. Yeah.
0: I feel like it just lifts everything. And this afternoon, we're going to do microneedling. I've done one. You recommend four sessions or five to start? Uh, to it's, start.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's for, micro-needling is, is one of these treatments um, that you can use to help stimulate collagen in the skin. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty easy way of just helping maintain your skin, right? It does mm-hmm. something that you can't just get with skincare, but it helps keep building collagen and helps soften up some of the fine lines. And you know, if you have acne scarring, it works great to help mm-hmm. soften some of that. So it's sort of like exercise, right? It's, I think it's good for your skin. The reason we usually encourage people to kind of get the bar rolling with three or four sessions is just... You're not going to see much with one treatment, right? So people who just do one, say, I didn't see anything, they're less likely to you know, right, to, to do it again. It takes inc- time. Inc- it,
0: and it's incremental it improvement. Just correct. like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym one day and see a difference. That's correct. So I'll or be posting you, some of that live a little bit later, correct. and I've done some before pictures, and sadly we're out of time, but... I, th- I mean, we could talk to you so much more. I mean, you've done great things for people, like your website. Charity work, yeah. phenomenal Bellage, charity work. Yeah. Bellage Center, Balazs Center.com. Bellage Center.com. Yeah. Again, uh, it was e- follow It was us. easier
2: than Yelma Chili Center,
0: so it, I figured. Exactly, because <laughs> I'm like, how many L's? Where are the L's? Yeah. How many I's? Sorry, I learned yeah, the alphabet exactly. as a kid. But yeah. Danae Cangelozi Cromosta, come on. So, Spelling yeah. nightmare. Vintage Contessa, much easier. Thank you so much. Thanks for we having love me. you. Yeah. So fun. Let's plan Gitto. a salmon dinner with John and Sushma, and we'll um, have some fun. And, guys, we will come to you next Thursday, 10 o'clock, and Mondays at 1 for Facebook Live, and Wednesday, Wacky Watch Wednesday.
1: We're, we're wacky, not the watches.
0: Exactly. Thanks. Oh.